Welcome to Interplay. This is Michael Shapiro, your host. This month, I'm very, very pleased to be with a dear friend, a great musician, and the most wonderful violinist, Colin Jacobson. Colin, how are you? All right, Michael. Good to see you. Great to see you. Lots of questions, lots of things to talk about. We were recounting recently how uh, I remember my brother was uh, just told me, how do you know the Jacobsons? He said, I remember when I was the chairman of the Long Island Philharmonic, a little Colin Jacobson won the concerto competition. Do you remember that time? I do. I, I uh, remember, you know, I grew up on Long Island and uh, they had this concerto competition. I, I remember playing Mozart's Mozart right behind you. Mozart's fourth violin concerto. Um, and Marin Alsop was the music director at the time, um, right. you know, who's gone on to do wonderful things. And she was very generous in, after that experience, inviting me back to play again with the Long Island Philharmonic and some of the orchestras she was either directing or guesting with at the time, Charleston Symphony or Eugene, Oregon. And, mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, yeah, it, it, that was, I don't know if I was 11 or 13, some, something around there. But your life has been in chamber music, it's been in symphony orchestras, it's been in solo, it's been in Silk Road, Brooklyn Rider, Creating the Nights with your brother, Eric. I mean, there's been so much variety, little pockets of, of, of income. But in the early days, as you were playing chamber music, you also were playing gigs, right? You were playing bar mitzvahs and weddings and background music? Sure. I mean, well, you know, when one is in school... Um, uh, well, I was at Juilliard and uh, had the opportunity, you know, th there's a placement office. So um, there was my, one of my close uh, colleagues, Edward Aaron, cellist at the time. We played in a piano trio for many yep. years. Yep. And uh, he uh, he and I would do a, a lot of gigs through the Juilliard placement office. And it was a nice income. But I and, and you know, you could say that, oh, that time would have been better spent in the practice room or studying something. But actually, oh, no. I think there was a value to um, music as a uh, part of life, you know, so it was bar mitzvahs, weddings, funerals. And, and I think that um, also the sense of because you're, you're playing for your colleagues, you're playing for your teacher, you're being critiqued all the time that actually in those situations, life wasn't about you, it wasn't precious, it was it was about the situation and you were providing a no service. Person. And I, I think, um, that has some valuable lessons to it. And I think back to like, I, I think Fritz Kreisler and Jacques Thibault used to play in a cafe situation sometimes. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and I think uh, that a lot of the early start of the nights and Brooklyn Rider was in living rooms, was in uh, clubs at times or outdoor spaces or playing for kids. And I think in all those situations, you are, you take your experiences with you. So I, I think you try to bring something of the relaxed, informal vibe mm -hmm. of those situations to when you are in a August Carnegie Hall or a Tanglewood and vice versa. I right. think you try to take the intensity of listening and uh, intent from those places when you are wherever you are, when you're when you're in front of kids or a living room or whatever. This is great. I had a, a lunch with a, a very well-known uh, conductor, a very close friend of mine, who's got a major symphony orchestra just a few days ago. And uh, we were talking about getting it back, getting the season back. And he's a music director, has a whole season to plan and years ahead, and he's got to do all that kind of stuff. But he is very worried, as many of them are, about seats, people in seats after the pandemic. 
However, I have been to Knight's concerts, many of them in recent months and in the past few years, af- during and after the kind of after the, the scare. And um, you sell out. Now, why? <laughs> I mean, I'll say it really depends on the venue and the presenter and the audience and whether we've been there a bunch. Um, so I think that there is a good following. But, but you know, if when we tour in the States to places we haven't gone, sometimes it can be full, sometimes it can't. And really, there's so many factors to that. Uh, and I do think it's, it's, it is concerning you know, the, the coming back after the pandemic, it's, it's uneven. That's my experience. Some, some shows are really packed. Um, and in general, people are very happy. Those who are in the hall to be there and be back and they love experience it. live music. Again, there, there's a, there was a collective sense of, I mean, this is the human thing. It's like, we take things for granted. And right. when we came back after that long silence, there's such a, a special feeling and you, you just never want to lose that. And no. um, both amongst musicians and audience. But I think, you know, for various reasons, the just the public arena in general feels more fraught. It feels more political. It feels, you know, it, and people are used to the convenience of just working from home or being home. And so yeah. getting people back in the habit of these so, of, of music as a social uh. activity, which it really is, is... Um, it's taking time, and but I, I think, you know, there it, it's encouraging. It I think it's just going to take time to heal from all of that. I, I, but you know, I go to a lot of concerts because I go to see friends mostly. Okay, and the thing I notice about the nights is that there is a vibrancy that is lacking in other institutions. I think your musicians put it across. Everybody is working together like a chamber group up there, looking at each other. You know. You as concert master, with, with Eric conducting, with your soloist, like I just heard a few months back at Caramore, you and Yo-Yo Ma do the Brahms double with Eric. It was the most organic, wonderful performance I've ever heard since I did it with Tim Fain and Eddie Aaron. Oh, amazing. <laughs> so, where did you do that? In Chappaqua. Where else? Nice. So, wonderful. So, so my point is, I know the piece so well, and I heard it years and years ago with um, you, you know, Casals doing it, actually conducting it with Leslie mm. Parnas and I forget the violinist. In any Maybe event, it was Jamie Laredo at that point. I think it may have been. Yes, yeah. They I worked what, together a lot. Yeah, they sure did, and they were amazing. So, but the vibrancy you get from the Knights and from Brooklyn Rider. Let's talk about programming, which to me is so important. You guys yeah. just don't. Do, you don't do. You know, Overture Concerto Symphony, as, as you and I have discussed. What are you looking for? How do you assemble a program? I mean, to speak about Eddie Aaron, he talks about it's like a, a three-course meal, four-course meal sometimes, of how do you put it together. That's his analogy. But what's your well, I think Eddie and my brother do share, uh, my, my brother Eric do share a love of cooking. They're both great chefs that I've been the beneficiary of their cooking for many <laughs> years. So I think the, the, the analogy is apt. Um but I think, uh, I don't know, I think, you know, both with Brooklyn Rider and the Knights, I mean, and we're not alone in this, but I think we're trying to find our way with uh, this great tradition and how to keep it relevant and vibrant and the torch burning in our time and, and all of that. And so it's how do you meaningfully connect music from another world or from, you know, from another culture or from the past 
to what makes sense for us. And luckily in, you know, just both with Brooklyn Rider and the Knights, it's a special group of people who have a lot of different talents and specialties. You know, they, there are people in the Knights, for instance, who are modern music specialists or yeah. Baroque specialists or people yeah. whose lives straddle the jazz world or who are singer songwriters. And not all of that will be served up at every meal, but some of it will come in as we, Eric and I are constantly batting back and forth ideas. Um, so, I mean, maybe, you know, one example, more one recent example is this thing called the Kreutzer Project. Kreutzer which, Project, yeah. Speaking of the pandemic, uh, we, we were, it's kind of the best planned project that we've ever done. You know, like in the pop world, often you record the album, you sit on it for a while, you um, pitch it around and you, right. then you tour it and you really have a focus on it. And in the classical world, we all want to, play that Beethoven symphony or quartet, you know, a, a hundred times before we commit it to record forever and ever, which, you know, encapsulates some of what's great of classical music and in, in that attention to detail and the tradition and also what's difficult because it's in a way it puts undue pressure and preciousness around something. Um, but so with the Kreutzer project before the pandemic, we got to have a residency at University of Wisconsin Madison, and and workshop, perform, and record this whole album. And what it is is starting with Beethoven's Kreutzer Sonata, you know, which was originally written for the British violinist of African descent, That's right. um, George Bridgetower, uh, who was apparently an amazing virtuoso, and he premiered it with Beethoven as the pianist, and then. According to sources, they had a falling out and Beethoven removed the dedication to George Bridgetower as he was wont to do want, and, want. <laughs> um, and then dedicated it to Rudolf Kreutzer, the, one of the founding fathers of the French violin school, who right. um, who Beethoven didn't even know personally, who apparently never even played the piece. Uh, but his name is all over this project. And I'll, I'll come back to Kreutzer himself. But casting it forward, you know, Tolstoy wrote his novella sure um, full of passion, jealousy, obsession, um, in which uh, a husband introduces a, a, a violin player. Uh, I can't remember if his, if it's the violin player who's his wife or the pianist, but they, and they end up uh, being introduced by the husband. They play the Beethoven's Kreutzer Sonata That's and right. it's, it sends the husband into a fit of, jealous rage because yep. he thinks this music incites the passions in a way that shouldn't. And so it's part of Tolstoy's late life moralizing, maybe in a heavy handed way, but, um, uh, it's quite the but book. there are a lot of good lessons in there. And then Janacek, of course, wrote his Kreutzer Sonata, his first string quartet, inspired by the Tolstoy novella and sort of by the obsessive ostinati that you find in Beethoven's work. Uh, Kreutzer Sonata and you know takes little quotes from it but his music sort of is programmatic depicting the the Tolstoy novella anyway with both with the the Beethoven um, has an inscription that says uh, quasi come du concerto in un stile molto concertante so very concerto like very outwardly is. virtuosic oh, yeah. the most virtuosic of his sonatas and yeah I took that as a as a leeway to make a full-on violin and orchestra concerto version 
of of that piece of um, the of the of the Kreutz Sonata by Beethoven. Exactly. Now, yeah. Did you walk? Did you orchestrate it? Yeah. Bravo. Yeah, and uh, you know, did a lot of, uh, well, always have done a lot of study of Beethoven's symphonies and orchestration and whatever, but really dove in, you know, with this piece in mind. It's terrific. Um, uh, and I did also. I was aware. I have played. Um, there's a contemporary contemporary uh, arrangement of the Kreutzer Sonata for for cello quintet, um, an anonymous. Uh, contemporary of Beethoven had done that for the living room's consumption. So I was aware that that had happened as well. Uh, but this, my version has winds and timpani and all the, all the uh, stuff. So awesome. then uh, Janacek, uh, Eric and Mike Atkinson, the horn player um, in the nights and composer arranger. A terrific um, arranger. Yeah. And, and he orchestrated, Eric had ideas that uh, they collaborated on an arrangement of the Janacek for chamber orchestra. Fabulous. Um, thinking that, you know, the quartet is, uh, well, it's such an incredible piece, and certainly that is the version. But I think wow. we thought that it suggests such a wider world of color and sound um, that looking at the way Janacek um, orchestrates, and I think at the time Mike had been playing Taras Bulba with the, the New York Phil, um, he really got into that orchestration. And, you know, for example, the opening of the fourth movement is uh, now like a woodwind and brass chorale with the solo flute playing the lonesome first violin yeah. uh, melody, and it sounds so beautiful. Um, so that that was that brought us closer to the present, and then to bring us fully into the present, we asked uh, composer Anna Klein to write a piece in which she, you know, knew that we were working with the Beethoven, the Kreutzer, the Tolstoy, and she wrote a piece called Shorthand, which is uh, for solo cello and strings and written for Knight's cellist Karen Azunian. Wow. And um, that piece uses a couple of quotes of the Beethoven, but the shorthand comes from the Tolstoy. It's a, a quote, music is the shorthand of emotion. And um, which I think is a beautiful thing and, and something I, uh, I remember Debussy talking about how he wanted to get to a place. And this goes back to the immediacy where mm -hmm. music is not describing an emotion or a thing, but it is the thing itself. and. Uh, um, I like so that. Anna wrote this very beautiful piece inspired uh, by quotes of the Beethoven, Janicek, and Tolstoy. And then going back to Rudolf Kreutzer, I wrote us a new piece called Kreutzings, um, in which <laughs> I wanted, you know, Rudolf Kreutzer's name is all over this uh, project, but he never even played the Beethoven, you know. Um, so I thought of what is the link uh, of obsession here and etudes. You know, Kreutzer's uh, second second etude, which all of us violinists uh, slog through with their interminable, very right. bowing variations, right. um, has an obsessive quality to Fabulous. it. So I took, you know, and that becomes one kernel of, of the piece that I wrote for us. Oh, so, wow. You know, so that, that that's a, an example of trying to have... Um, an umbrella that puts a whole project spanning the past to the present together, spanning a literary and, uh, you know, music world and finding this a way. Great. Yeah. Kreutzer project being brought by the Knights, Eric Jacobson, Colin Jacobson, soloist, composer, arranger. This is magnificent. It's going to be all over the internet and the world and on tour. Yeah. You can find it in those usual, um, 
platforms. You know, places where platforms where one finds music. It was put out by Avi Records uh, late August. And uh, yeah, we played it around the States a bit uh, in Baltimore, Ravinia, and at the Clark Institute in Williamstown. But uh, then we're nice. going um, in October and November to Europe to do it a bunch. And Ray Chen will be our guest soloist there playing the Beethoven. And, Spectacular. Uh, and, That's great. Yeah. Well, we'll have to check out those dates. Um, lastly, sometimes you play with Brooklyn Rider, sometimes you play with the Knights, sometimes you are a soloist, sometimes you do you teach. I know you do all kinds of stuff. When you're playing with the Brooklyn Rider, uh, what's the what's the choice of repertoire? I mean, why is that so special? I know why the Knights is so special, but describe what, why is Brooklyn Rider so special? Oh, I mean. It's, you know, the collective of the four individuals that uh, had a long ramp up to being Brooklyn Rider and saying we are a string quartet, you know, uh, in your 20s, uh, you might be more, um, it, commitment is a difficult thing to find, but we did. And uh, okay. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, all of them, uh, well, Eric, my brother, was also the original cellist of Brooklyn right. Rider, and all four of us had some formative experiences together in Silk Road. So that's one element is just that we, I think all had our ears opened um, to a wider world through the work with Yo-Yo and all the incredible musicians, some of which we ended up collaborating with, like Kehan Kalhor has been a mentor and, um, you know, great uh, composer and Comanche player from Iran. Um, but I think we always wanted to go deep into the tradition. And one, one thing that also brought us together was the love of really old historic recordings, like pre-World War II. And mm -hmm. the, the quartet tradition as represented by groups like the Capé Quartet or the Arnold Rosé Quartet. Um, mm -hmm. Mahler's family. Yeah, exactly. And um, the sense of how they uh, were, were, you know, they were in touch with many of the composers of our tradition. That's and right. yet you, you watch the page and you see from our perspective, a hundred years later, a sense of, of finding their way uh, to the heart of the musical matter in a way that's true to what they saw as the spirit of it rather than the letter of it. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, totally they just, makes sense. Um, it just feels like, uh, and the priorities were different. And part of that is just, you know, I, I think it being a different time and not having gone through a century of recorded perfection. Right. But I think it's also um, just a different sense of sound and sound's purpose uh, that, this is beautiful. you know, much less vibrato was used. Uh, uh -huh. Portamenti, uh, connecting things vocally were a big part of the tradition. And beautiful. So that's that's part of it. And then there's this element of looking outside of the Western tradition for inspiration, whether that's working. And, and often there's a guide for us into that, whether that's a Bela Fleck that we work to work with in terms of American roots or Joshua Redman in the jazz vein or Kahan in uh, Persian classical music. And none of those are we professing to be all of a sudden experts in those things, but we're able to be open enough and with great guidance that we can find a, a space for those things to happen. But what um, you're talking about is something which drives me all the time, because maybe it's from studying also novel writing, is particularity specificity. And particularity means characterization. And when you talk about the Rosé Quartet and Café and so forth, in Budapest, in my mind, Bush Quartet, 
Yeah, Bush Quartet, absolutely. I mean, but here you go. And when you guys play in Brooklyn Rider or you play with the Knights, there is that sense of every phrase is life or death or fun or joy or sadness or everything happening at once. And you just don't play a phrase because you play a phrase. It's not a business. You know, this is not a dentist's office. No offense to dentists, but it's not a dentist's office. You're not drilling in my mouth. This is why I love what you do. And it's every single time. Like, you know, I know the Brahms double really well. I've worked I've worked the piece. Some wonderful players. A few times. Heard it all kinds of times. But not like I just heard it. It was well, fresh. We did have fresh. a pretty, pretty uh, good mentor working with that piece. I mean, that was so special because uh, over the years, Yo-Yo and I have done that piece a handful of times, you know, with big symphony right, orchestras. Um, but I think to do that with my close musical family, with my brother conducting, I mean, that was like a lifetime's it was, it was uh, awesome. uh, dreams come true. <laughs> Full House of Caramore, I might add. Now, to, to we have to leave it very, very soon, but I wanted to ask you finally, where do you want to go? What's next? What, what 20 years from now, God willing, we're all around. What do you want to say about all of this? What are you doing? We know where you've been, but where do you want to go? I mean, I guess I would hope that we're all together, you, myself, everyone in the Knights, Brooklyn Rider, and people who are coming up in conservatory, we're all contributing to this ecosystem of music making. And, you know, it's easy to have like golden age nostalgia for a place that you never lived. But, you know, the time of Ravel, Debussy, Stravinsky, Schoenberg, Mahler, you know, seems pretty special. The time of Mozart, Beethoven. And I think, you know, what are the conditions? And, and it's like people all are pulling their weight and not doing business as usual. So uh, I, I think now is a weird time of change, but I, I feel like when the Knights and Brooklyn Rider were coming up not long after 9-11 and all of that, it was also a time of a lot of change and uncertainty in the world. But in some ways in that uncertainty, there's room for good new stuff to happen. So Absolutely. I just hope that um, we, as you know, the groups I'm involved in and the projects that I'm involved in just keep staying fresh and not taking things for granted. But I hope that uh, the world, you know, that, that, uh, that this great tradition of music, you know, from Mozart behind you and, and earlier, Till now keeps keeps having a space and and people keep writing great things and audiences keep being vibrant and it just it all feels like uh it's possible and difficult given all the other challenges that are in the world well but the wonderful thing is you guys try you're adventurous you are always taking risks but with happiness well you go to a knight's concert you go to a writer concert you're happy you could do some very serious stuff, but you can do some light stuff. You you mix it up, but it's a joy. And what you bring, Colin Jacobson, to your leadership in music as a great musician and a great, great violinist, but as a great human being, is just breathtaking. And I must compliment you. <laughs> well, thank you, Michael. And, You're you know, very welcome. This is great to talk about some of these things. But, we love you know, to talk. There are no... Uh, there are no 
simple answers, but everyone's doing the work and uh, you oh. know, we'll keep pushing on. <laughs> Thanks for pushing on. Thanks for being with us. Uh, folks, we've just spent the most wonderful time with Colin Jacobson. And I must thank you for being on Interplay. Thank you. This is Michael Shapiro, your host on Interplay Conversations and Music. Thank you for joining us. <laughs>